Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. I have a sense that as like in worship at times like God is really breaking through some things in our lives. Is anyone like feeling God like tear down walls and like do stuff during worship? I've like sensed that in the last few weeks. And so I would really encourage you guys, like, church isn't the only place that can happen. Like, in your own personal life, just crank it. Worship God. Spend time with Him doing that. Um, One of the major transformations that happened in my life was when I started doing that on my own. Um, I'd never experienced worship before. I was about 16 years old. I got invited to this conference. Who remembers the Christian band Gungor? Anyone? They did this song called Beautiful Things. Anyone remember that song? And the lyrics, oh, that song are amazing, but just says, you make beautiful things out of the dust. And as a 16-year-old, I felt pretty broken. Some of you know my testimony. At 16, I was pretty broken. And the reality was I did not believe at all that God was going to make something beautiful out of me. That was a very weird thing. But I remember when I started to sing that song, and I thought to myself, I'm just going to pretend that it's true. And before long, I started to believe it, and that's something that God did in my life. So I would encourage you, spend time in worship with God. We are talking tonight about bringing heaven to earth among us, so in the world that we exist in within our community here. Um, And I think that that's a really, really amazing thing to talk about. Typically, as someone who spent seven years in missions, you'd think, oh, maybe Jake's going to talk about the beyond stuff. But really, time in missions, time proclaiming the gospel of Jesus does not work. It does not work if in the community that you're in, you're at war. Like, that is not a good time. Who's ever been at a family dinner that you were like, man, I want to get out of this family dinner. Anyone? I'm, I'm talking, you're like, I do not want to be here. Some of you are like, that was today. <laughs> if that was you today, I'm sorry. I don't mean to bring up a traumatic memory, but Jesus does have healing for you. I believe that with all my heart. We've all been in that situation where the among us is not going well. Yeah. So the people that we spend the most time with, the people that we're meant to be family with, the people that we're meant to be closest with, it's like, whew, I cannot wait to get a break from this situation. And so what I want to do is I want to look at three things that, as I was asked to preach on this, it's like, what are the things that make it work? You know, what is it that makes life with one another beautiful and amazing? And there were three things that, as I prayed about it, thought about it over the next little while— Three things that came to me, and I believe that it is from God. Three things, humility, kindness, and courage. And so those are the things that we're going to talk about tonight. So we are going to start off with Matthew chapter 22, 35 through 39. So Jesus is having a conversation with some religious teachers, and one of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, Which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
As I got thinking about this passage, two things really, really jumped out at me. Jesus giving a commandment, and the commandment being this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And I just started thinking about how unfair it is that that is the greatest command that God asks of us. Not because it's an unfair command to ask, but because if we loved God with like our max effort, right? We're giving it everything we've got, 100% of the time, all day, every day. When we're sleeping, we're loving him. Like, that's kind of hard to do. I don't know how you would even do that. But all the time we're loving God, it would completely pale in comparison to the love that he has for us. Hey, so it's like if two people are in a relationship, God is obviously out giving us in love. Like, he's obviously giving so much more than we could ever give. So even in that first commandment, you see that God is being completely selfless. He's not saying, hey, I want you to love me with as much power and capability as I love you. He's not asking us to do that. He's saying, I want you to love me with the best effort that you possibly can. He's essentially saying, hey, guys, what I really just want from you is for you to give your best. Give it everything you've got. Don't hold back. I think that's amazing because what that does in my mind is it just, it makes me realize how insignificant my effort can be and yet how much God appreciates that. You know, when I give so little compared to what he's given me, but it's still my best, it's still my absolute best effort, and he considers that to be something worthy, worthy enough that he's like, hey, this is actually my command to you, is to give your best. I think that that's amazing. And what that does for me is it puts me in this place of recognition that, man, compared to God, I fall so short of like a standard that is like anything special and anything unique. And now if I stayed in that mentality of like, I just don't add up. So who feels like, yeah, I don't add up either. Anyone? Like, yeah, you. some people are like, no, I totally got it. Like, I'm there. I love God so well, he gets jealous at how well I love him. You people are amazing. But that's not how I feel. I feel like I fall ridiculously short in the area of loving God. And adding on to that, I feel like I fall quite short in the area of loving others. I feel like it's a correlation. It's like, man, I give it the best, my best shot, but I'm going to be angry, or sometimes I'll be hangry, and sometimes it's just like I haven't, enough, haven't had enough sleep, or sometimes I'm just being a turd. Like, that happens too. So I know that I'm falling short of God's glory and everything that he's asked us to do. And something that I love about how God, how Jesus responds in this and how he replies to them when they ask him, you know, what is the greatest command? You know, he could have said anything. He could have said, you know, don't blaspheme. He could have said, don't commit adultery. But really what he was saying is the most important thing is that you are walking in a genuine relationship with your God that is filled with love and that you're walking in genuine relationship with those around you and that those relationships are filled with love. In John chapter 12, verse 17, it says this, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you're my friends, since I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you, and I appointed you 
to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Jesus is talking to his disciples in this passage, and he's like kind of giving them like, this is the rundown, guys. When I go, this is it. Like this is getting towards the end of my commands and the things that I'm going to tell you and everything that I've said. Hey, love one another. Do life with one another in such a way that you don't give up on one another, that you care for one another, that the well-being of the person to your right and of the person to your left is super, super important to you. And I think it's really interesting if you think about the disciples' perspective in this conversation. You've been walking with Jesus for a long time, and if you were a disciple, you followed Jesus because he was a rabbi. He was a teacher of the law. So they followed him. He was their master, and they were his servants. They were learning from him. And he did this wild, crazy thing. He's like, hey, guys, I don't want you to become, because the natural next step if you're underneath a rabbi is to become a rabbi yourself. Right? That's, that's the goal. But Jesus isn't saying, you're going to be a rabbi and go off and do your own thing and start your own religion and your own church. That's not what he's saying. He said, actually, the step up from learning from me is actually just being my best mate. It's being my friend. And then he does something wild. He tells his disciples to go into all the world and make disciples. So his command is, hey, go into all the world and make everybody else my friends too. I want everyone to know this friendship and this love that you guys have gotten to experience over the last few years. That's what I want for you. So there's two things that really, as we've been talking about this, that really jump out to me. And one is just that the goal of Jesus is for everyone to experience his love, forgiveness, and acceptance. That's everyone. He wants everyone to be in that friendship group with him. So if you're in this building or if someone in this building knows you, Six points of connection. Anyone heard that theory before? Pretty amazing. Um, at the University of Newcastle. Okay, I love Lord of the Rings. Anyone love Lord of the Rings? We're here. Yes. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you for talking. There is lecturing at the Uni of Newcastle. Guess whose brother lectures there? Anyone? Hugo Weaving's brother. So Elrond in Lord of the Rings, his brother Simon Weaving lectures at the University of Newcastle in Australia. How wild is that? So, my point of connection to knowing Vigo Mortensen is pretty close, because I have a friend who was in that class, who was in that lecture under Simon Weaving, who knows Hugo Weaving, who knows Vigo Mortensen. So, I'm like right there with like the person who's my hero. So, what, <laughs> so who, who are the friends? Who are the people that God wants us to be loving in this way? The among? Is that just the people in this room? Absolutely not. That's everybody. That's literally the whole world. We're going to talk about beyond next week. But our paradigm has to shift, and Jesus was shifting the paradigm of the disciples because they believed that it was the 12 of them, and they were disciples, they were the special ones. Or if it wasn't just them, it was just the Hebrew people that Jesus was the promised Messiah for. Jesus was radically smashing that paradigm, and he was saying, you want to know who the among is? It's everyone on this planet. It's everyone that you could conceivably come in contact with. You are supposed to love them. Big stuff. Who's like, yeah, we're not going to figure this out. Like, I'm not going to make it. I'm probably not going to be able to. Yeah, that's good. Because we're going to go. That's where we're supposed to feel. When we realize how much goodness that God has given us and how far short we feel, that recognition that I am not perfect 
and I don't add up to this, is exactly where we're supposed to be. That is super, super important. But if in the middle of this we've missed the radical acceptance and love of God, we've missed the other side of the coin, which is just as much the point. And I believe that in these commandments, in what Jesus is communicating to his disciples, I believe that he's saying two things. He's saying you need to be so aware of how far short you fall of my glory. But you also need to be so aware of how ridiculously loved by me you are and how my grace and my forgiveness for you covers that beyond anything you can imagine because your best effort is nothing compared to my best effort. And so this is something that he does with his disciples, with the people that he walks with. This is what interaction with Jesus was like. You recognize, whoa, I don't add up. And wow, this guy's love for me is outrageous. It's insane. And when those two truths hit your heart at the same time, you get this beautiful thing called humility. When I know in equal measure that I'm not perfect, and that I'm perfectly loved, that's humility. Because humility is being honest with yourself about who and what you really are. And the reality is, God's love for us changes who we are. And that's an amazing thing. But we are still imperfect people. So what I want to introduce humility as is this. I am imperfect, but I'm perfectly loved. And from that place, I think that it is, it is really difficult to exist in that space of, I, I cannot do this alone. I am not perfect. But man, God's love for me is so wild. It's really difficult to exist in that space and then look at someone else and have hatred or bitterness or rage or anything negative towards that person. Because if you're com- completely honest with yourself about who you are in that moment, when you look at them, what are you going to think? You're going to think, wow, they're totally imperfect, and they are totally loved. And you're going to start to see them in the way that God sees them. You're going to be like, there's stuff to work on. Who's like willing to admit, I've got stuff to work on? And God didn't say, hey, um, the forgiveness that I've given you, that means you don't ever have to improve. You can just stay the way you are. Don't like fix anything. Don't ever grow close to me. That's not the point. The point is, because of the forgiveness that he has, it doesn't matter how long it takes for you to grow. It doesn't matter how how hard it is or how long the journey is or how painful it is. He'll still be with you in the middle of it. So, humility. I know that I'm imperfect, but I also know that I'm perfectly loved. To me, that leads to one response only to the people around us, and that's kindness. It's this recognition of man. What do I want to receive (laughs) from God? Well, I don't deserve goodness, but that's really what I want. I would really love if he was kind to me, and he is. So, in the kindness that he's dealt with us, I think the implication is, like we see in Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, the implication is we get to be kind to others. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ 
has forgiven you. This scripture verse, when I was about nine years old, maybe a little bit younger, was one that my mom made me memorize. Did anyone's mom or dad make you memorize scripture? That was a thing that was super prominent. I, lo- I actually love it. I'm thinking about making the youth start memorizing scripture. How do you feel about that, Lincoln? You keen? Yeah, I think Lincoln's keen. I think he'd go for it. I think we're going to get in on this because this stuff, man, it really stick- stuck with me, and I think it can stick with us. So first of all, let's start at the beginning. Get rid of. So in light of the fact that I am imperfect and perfectly loved, because that is a thing, what am I going to do? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get rid of all bitterness. I'm going to get rid of all rage, all anger, all harsh words, and slander. So, not because someone else has done something nice for me and because they deserve for me to get rid of all of these things, but because of who God is and because of humility, recognizing that I am not that, I'm going to get rid of these things because of what God through Christ Jesus has done for me. I think that getting rid of those things is difficult, but they are the barriers to kindness. You know, if, if you have rage towards someone, how likely are you to be kind towards them? Anyone ever done it? Like, I've definitely done it. Like, it has happened. Like, there are moments where I've practically been kind to someone, and in my heart, I'm like, you do not deserve this. I do not know why I'm doing this for this person. But sometimes God will be like, hey, I want you to go do this. Has God ever told you to do something nice for somebody that you're just not getting along with? Anyone? Family dinner? You're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> what? You know, I can't do this. I remember when I, was, when I was young, me and my dad used to get into the most intense arguments. And I'm, not, I'm talking very unhealthy. Like, this is not healthy arguments. Okay? And we, like, there used to be an inordinate amount of rage in our house because we were both very bitter people. And... I remember this one time where I was praying after we got into this big argument and God said to me, he was like, dude, you were totally wrong. Not because you were wrong, but because you were rude. I want you to go apologize. And 17-year-old Jake did not like apologizing (laughs) for anything. And so I'm sitting there and I'm praying. I'm pretty sure that I sat there in my room praying and worshiping. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to praise God, you know, all this for about an hour. And he's just saying this, you need to apologize. You need to apologize. And the whole time I'm like, oh, probably just means like apologize to him or like I was anything that I could do to not go have this conversation with my dad. And then I did. I was like, all right, I know what you're saying. And I went and apologized. And guess what happened? My dad flipped out, started screaming, got even more angry than he was before, and basically I just went back to my room after a massive tongue lashing. Nothing good happened for me at all in relation to my relationship with my dad, but I did know when I went back to my room that I'd honored what God had asked me to do in that moment. And man, did I feel loved. Man, did I feel appreciated by God. Man, did I feel like he's so proud of me in this moment. And so what I want to encourage us to do when we're looking at the among, when we're looking at the people around us, not just our close family, but even people in this room who might annoy us, it is possible to get annoyed by people at church. It, it is. Like, it's not, it's not likely, but it is possible for that to happen. Even when that happens, I want us to be people who take that back to God. Say, God, what is your perspective on this thing? I want to talk about the word tender-hearted. It's actually one of my favorite words in the Bible. 
Because you can have two types of heart. You can have a heart made of metal, or you can have a heart made of clay. Both can be softened. The process for a heart made of metal to be softened is really painful. It comes with a lot of fire. It comes with hammers smacking. It's not a comfortable situation, right? So metal becomes made tender as the temperature just starts screaming like hot. And just, it's insane. And then it starts to melt, starts to fall apart, and then it gets hit over and over and over again to be beaten into shape. And that's part of what our lives with God can be like sometimes. Sometimes there are areas that we're like, there's these little metal bits in our heart that God's got to work on. But a heart of clay is a tender heart. And it's a heart where all, all the potter has to do to keep the tenderness in there is just add a little bit of water. And it stops drying out. And then he can mold it. And he can make it into anything. So when we're talking about doing life with one another, that idea of what kind of heart do you want to have? Do you want to have a metal heart heart made out of metal that has to be heated and beaten with a hammer? (laughs) Or do you want a heart made out of clay that can be softly molded? And that's what is being talked about in this passage. It's a heart made of clay. A tender heart is a heart made of clay. And that simply means, like, having a tender heart is just, I'm easily moved by the pain and suffering of others. And I'm easily willing to be changed when Jesus asks me to change. So when I see pain and suffering in someone else's life, that moves me because my heart's made of clay. It is easy to be moved, easy to be molded. And when Jesus just puts his hand gently on my heart, it changes shape. It becomes more like his that's tenderhearted. And then forgiving one another. I do, we all know this, but just to go over it, this doesn't mean when someone hurts you and says something rude or mean or spiteful that you're just like, oh, um, that's fine. You can keep doing that. We don't want to enable poor behavior. That is not what forgiveness is at all. Forgiveness is saying, you know what, because of the fact that I'm not perfect, but I'm perfectly loved, when you hurt me, I want to create opportunity for further relationship. The opposite of forgiveness, bitterness, is because you hurt me, there is no opportunity for further relationship. This is not going to grow. There is no chance for this thing called relationship between you and me continuing. That's bitterness. And forgiveness is the opposite of that. Forgiveness is, you know what, this thing that happened hurt. I'm acknowledging that that didn't feel good. But because I'm not perfect... And because I'm perfectly loved, I'm willing to create opportunity, if you are, for that relationship to be repaired. And that's what God asks us to do. And I think that's the result of humility. I want to finish up on this idea of courage. And I was, I was thinking about this one throughout the week, and I was kind of tossing up between courage and truth as the essential components of what it's like to build a Christ-minded godly loving community and I think with truth one of the things that we can get a little bit fixated on when it comes to the word truth is I think it's a trigger word in in churches at times because sometimes truth just means who's right about what in their opinion on the bible anyone feel like that can be like that sometimes and that's not at all what I think is required to have a healthy loving community being right about your opinion on a theological issue probably actually isn't going to lead to better relationship with the people around you. And that's not actually the goal. So I think what 
what was really like coming across to me is this idea that in relationships, we've just talked about kindness, we've talked about having a tender heart, we've talked about being forgiving. The reality is sometimes people do things that just isn't right. Sometimes people do things that's hurtful. Sometimes you do things that hurts other people. And it's really, really important that when you do those things, that you have a friend who can come to you and say, hey, I noticed that, you know, something really interesting that happens with humility. Humility is when those two ideas are perfectly in balance, right? I'm, I'm imperfect, but I'm perfectly loved and their level. What happens when I'm perfectly loved starts to be the only thing we know? We've all met that, that guy. We've all met the guy who knows he's perfectly loved, but he forgets that he's not perfect, right? We've all come in contact. We've had the conversation. You realize halfway in, this isn't about who's right and wrong. This isn't about that at all. This is just a moment where this person in their heart has forgotten that they're not perfect. Who's been that person more often than not? Anyone? Yeah, I can relate to this a lot. And then the other side of that is sometimes we totally forget about how perfectly and amazingly loved we are. And all we can think about is how imperfect we are. And that's the flip. That's the opposite. That's inferior pride. And when these things get out of whack, we do things that we shouldn't do. Hey, maybe we're a bit rude or a bit hurtful or we get stuck in our own ideas or we're unwilling to change or unwilling to grow. And it's really important that we have people in our lives who can say, hey, I noticed that your I'm greatly loved is a little bit higher than your I'm, I'm not perfect. Anyone, anyone relate to that? And who's like, yeah, I feel super comfortable with someone saying that to me. Yeah, there's like six in the room. It's not a comfortable conversation. That's why we need courage. Both people need courage. The person who's listening to that needs courage to believe that the person talking to them loves them. Because the easy thing to do in that situation is to take it as an attack. Who's like impulse when someone tells you you need to adjust your behavior, thinks you're being attacked? Anyone? Honesty? Yeah, absolutely. That's the reality. Because we're very defensive people. That's a massive part of lacking humility. But when we grow in humility, and when we grow in this place of, you know what? I am imperfect and I'm perfectly loved. If we learn to exist in that space, when someone comes to us and says, hey, you know, you were doing this thing the other day, and I don't know if you realized this, but it was making one of the people you were talking to felt a little bit overwhelmed and uncomfortable in that conversation. Did you notice that? And then you're like, oh, what? The response of a person who's mostly humble is curiosity, right? You want to know why. You want to know what happened, and you want to fix it. So have courage to be curious about your own behaviors, about the things that you need to grow in. Have an expectation in the among that you're going to grow, that this is a place where you can and will grow. You will be confronted by your imperfections. You will have an opportunity to become more like Christ because that's what relationships do. Nothing reveals whether or not someone is out of humility like a family dinner. Like, that is just the truth. Like, you get somebody who's like, well, like, you know, right away. Oh, my goodness. Usually it's sandwiches, the cat. He's like, I belong on this table. This table is where I'm going to sit. And we're like, no, you need to learn some humility, dude. Sit on the floor. You're a cat. No, I don't ever say that to him. I'm just like, you can do whatever you want, man. 
So let's be people who, when we're, we're in that place and someone comes to us and wants to have a conversation, hey, this thing that you're doing might be a little bit hurtful. Let's be willing to hear it. At the very least, let's be willing to hear what that person has to say and then take it back to God and pray about it. Secondly, and this I think is actually the hardest part, being the person to bring it up. Being the person to say, hey, when you did this thing, it was hurtful to me. Or I noticed that it was hurtful to this person. Guys, this is actually essential to growing and living in a community that loves one another. Like it's critical. Because when we do this, and then someone's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And we love them radically no matter what. Or if they get angry with us, and they don't appreciate it, and we say, look, no matter what your response to this is, I care about you and I want you to be here. And then you invite them to the next dinner. You invite them to the next thing. You keep loving them. Nothing changes. Guys, that is what builds true relationship. And I would say that a relationship without this kind of courage isn't built on honesty. And it's not going to produce change. Because if you have a relationship with God and you're not willing to hear him say, hey, you need to grow, there's no trust. And I think it's the same in a community like this. Now, obviously, you don't just want to go up to someone that you don't know and say, hey, I saw you doing this. That is not what I'm talking about. All of this happens. All of this happens in the context of relationship and time. And if you see something that you're like, oh, I didn't like that, and you don't know what you should do, prayer is a good way to start. But also talking to people that you trust about these sort of things, you can walk you through some conflict and having courage in those situations, I think is super important as well. Because if you can't have the courage to make relationships in this community right, it's actually going to be really difficult to share the gospel with somebody that you don't know. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. And people need to know the love that God has for them. But they also need to know that when they come into a place where everyone knows the love that God has for them, that they're going to be walked with, that someone's going to hold their hand and care for them and be careful with them and care for their heart as they walk through that process. So to wrap up, just to go through what we've already talked about, humility. I am not perfect, but I am perfectly loved. It's knowing that and believing that and walking our lives in that space. And out of that space, knowing how imperfect we are and how perfectly loved we are by God, we're kind. We're kind to the people around us. We're kind to the ones that are near us. We're kind to the people that have hurt us, even in the middle of all of that. Why? Because of our awareness of how imperfect we are and how perfectly loved we are. And we see that in the people around us. We recognize, you know what, you, you're not perfect, but you are perfectly loved. We're all in the same boat. And we finish with courage. <laughs> we finish with courage. And this willingness, we're going to be humble. We're going to be high, kind. And we'll walk hand in hand with people next to us. I think that that's something that we can all agree leads to life in our relationships, leads to a life worth living. When we know, you know what, there's someone who is humble, there's someone who's kind, and there's someone who walk hand in hand with me through whatever it is I'm going through. And they're not going to stand aside if I'm broken and my brokenness is hurting me or other people. They're going to step up and they're going to speak. So let's be these kind of people, people who walk in humility, kindness, and courage. Thanks, guys.
Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.